My guest today is Boja Adibayo, a sports journalist and photographer who moved to Lagos from Ijebudi to launch a career in sports journalism. We spoke about his childhood in Ijebudi, about sports administration in Nigeria, and the future of sports journalism in Nigeria. Take a listen. Good morning, Poja. Welcome to Deep Dive. It's a pleasure to have you this morning. Thanks for having me. Biggest um, celeb in town these days. <laughs> <laughs> Poja, you're, you're quite an interesting um, uh, character. But, but let me start by asking you, give us some background of how an Ijebode man, um, mm. you know, became one of the biggest sports journalists um, in Lagos. Give me a bit about your your life growing up in Ijebodi and what it was like, um, you know, as a young boy running down the streets of um, uh, Ijebu. Um, quite interesting, um, you know, from a, from a very humble background. Um, the last one of the family of um, four boys. So, um, you know, studying in Adoikiti. So I've, I won't say I'm not familiar with Lagos. You know, I always come to Lagos for holidays. You know, during those days, you know, our, our, our uncles were, would be in Lagos and we always come to, um, you know, the bar beach that time to actually have um, Christmas or festive period. Um, but after my NYC, you know, I did my NYC in Ibadan. I felt like... Um, I should move away from my comfort zone. I should come to Lagos because, you know, after NYC, we still stay back in Lagos and um, in Ibadan for one one year. You know, we're getting, you know, we've said a lot. Those days, it was 9,007. So, and, you know, the economy was good. So, we've saved up and then um, the local government we worked paid us, you know, um, as 10 months. So, they paid us like 50K. Just, sorry, just, just, you know, when you said that 9,007, mm-hmm. you know, because I remember that I also earned 9,700 when I was serving. Mm-hmm. And it's unimaginable that people could actually save and send money back home mm-hmm. in 9,700. That is shocking. Um, oh, oh. We had the last set yes, um, 2012 yes. before, you know, the, I think the 18,000 yes, came, you know, just yes. before the election. Um, and um, it was actually a very big money, I must confess, because nine seven, you you flex, you, <laughs> you you do, you know, you pay your bills, you do your data. That time, you know, internet was coming up then, you know, and you could have for the basic. You could have, you know, that time we always travel back to back to Lagos to have some fun. You know, I'm a, with the go this weekend, let's go to Lagos with on seven thousand. And during my own, you know, um, PPA, we didn't um, get um, any stipend. It was start nine seven. We saved for our accommodation so and after you know nyc we stayed for another one year because our local government at that time paid us 50k for you know our service here so we had a lot of money so like let's stay in Lagos. Uh, let's stay in Badon now after eight months nine months Onga started knocking in <laughs> you know young boys like four young boys not doing anything i feel like let's just you know let's move to lagos so i have an uncle i had an uncle then um in bariga you know spoke with him okay guy you can come in and then I just started blogging, and you know that time I started with um, Puja Devaya blog. Yeah. dot yeah. blogspot dot com. Yeah, yeah. And that's where you know this journey started. So ten years ago, you came to Lagos. You started yeah. with a blog um, where you were putting out very interesting sport um, posts. Sorry, um, where did the, where did the pivot come into sports? Uh, because at some point you started to lean more towards mm. um, reporting on sports. You had always been a fashion. 
um, of football and sports or you just recognized an opportunity in that regard which was it okay people don't um actually know the my backstory in university um you know people who listen to me or who know me from university know that i run um um i ran one um there's a viewing center then i call it Stafford bridge um in in adoikitis you know in my third year and i started being you know self-sufficient you know because of course you know four boys and most are in university so you know pokemon is always hard to come by so i just you know did a lot of um you know did so many projects gave some money and asked some money and did them viewing center so i've always been in sports but not really um into it like um a career wise what you know when hunger setting you have to find your you know your your level and of course you know started the blogging and people don't know that you know during my own time you know um because it was the occupied nigerian time and it was not really um a sports you know Nigeria yeah. is not a sport yeah but i blogged like 50 stories per day you know look like you know there was a day i did 80 you know i still have you know the archives i, I can get the dates from my from my you know diary i did eight stories per day and you know when i see people doing you know two three four stories i said this one no no way they go mm. so so that's when i just started doing that's why the federal politics was very very um was everywhere then there was protests but i just feel like let me let me continue my sport um, and, and just soon after that, um, you started to get on radio, Hot FM, and yeah. B. Um, how did you make the pivot into radio? What led you into um, doing sports analysis on air? And, and or First, how did you even get that break um, to get on radio, um, Hot <laughs> FM? Well, I, I think uh, my first um, break was, you know, I think um, 2014-15 when um, there was um, the trophy tour, the Champions League trophy tour. And by that time, I've won the best blog in, in Lagos and in Nigeria. And I think the agency, I couldn't, I can't remember the agency around Jerry. No, I think um, they've actually, you know, renamed themselves. You know, reach out to me and feel like, okay, fine. Let's do this together. So we, we did, we did that together. And through that, I met, um, um, Biola Kazim. And, um, from there, I started doing a lot of work with, um, with Traders Corp, with Tejo Shomake, with him and, you know, with, uh, and his brother, Yomi Kazim. And, um, to, you know, um, glory goes to um, to late Dejitunubo. You know, um, it was close to Biola Kazim because they were running COD mm-hmm. as, as at that time with um, the the chairman now, you know, Shola Ekpakon, the chairman of Lagos State Sports Commission. And he called me to his office and said, now that you are actually moving on social media, you make money. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you have to go into broadcasting and do radio so that you get you get more money, you get sponsorship yeah. and you get more popular. And uh, by that time, you know, Bill Akazi was on radio and he just, you know, have to, you know, um, you know, just tell Bill Akazi and I intend with Bill Akazi for close to three to four years wow. before, you know, actually, you know, started, you know, talking on radio. Fantastic. And then soon after, I mean, the most incredible story I read about you was that you became a CAF, an NFF accredited photographer. Yeah. What did that moment feel like? That that young boy from mm. Ijebudi had become a calf, an NNF accredited photographer. What did that mean to you? Um, I didn't plan it um, because you know I was doing, I was making small change. You know, I was thinking I was comfortable, and by that time I've you know started doing my own shows. You know, and because I've started knowing you know, some people you know in 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 the, in the industry, and um, you know Bella Kazim walked up to me that that I didn't. One day like that, I said, guy, if you're a, if you're a journalist, you have to travel. 
because you are getting popular if you have any um you know contract from um from abroad and they deny you visa those people feel like you call yourself journalist now did they deny you visa and those are the opportunities that could come your way in the future. So you have to go for, um, you know, you have to go for international tournaments. So, and by that time, you know, it, there was Afcon in 2019 in Egypt. I couldn't go for the for Russia because I feel like I have sponsorship in Nigeria. Why, why am I going to Russia? But it said you have to travel. And you know, when I did my, you know, CAF channel, did my FIFA channel, you know, you know, apply for accreditation, you know, send proposals. And I thought, you know, Bela Kazim would tell, would tell me, okay, fine, the visa is $100, take $100 all day. And I was like, hey, boy, I won't go do my visa. Say, we take our passport. I said, now you say we can travel. I said, no, ah, Baba, you have to, you have to save everything, no. Okay, I said, okay, fine. Let me pay. It's just hundred dollars. Now let me pay for my visa. When the ticket comes, let me see if it's going to support me. And I think the ticket was over three hundred thousand. And I, you know, walk up to me. I say, I don't book ticket too. Say, what think will happen? <laughs> I say, I, I won't go to Egypt now. They don't give a credential. See my, see my visa. I say, go now. <laughs> so, so, you know, so the, the, the growth and development was, I, I won't say it was harsh, but it just make you, you know, you know, very strong, very focused, and not really rely on people, you know, mm. do your things yourself. And, you know, abstention goes to him and, of course, to the later um, digital number. Yeah, Biola loves tough love. Yeah, you know, <laughs> this one is not tough love. This one is high on hand. <laughs> I mean, yes, you, you, you covered, uh, you know, AFCON um, in Cameroon recently. Yep. I mean, I followed your reports um, of how the Super Eagles were doing in and out of training and yep. all of that. Um, but before we even talk about AFCON, l- let me first ask you, um, did you support the decision for Gennett Raw to be sacked in the way and in the manner that he got sacked, particularly the time that he got sacked? Um, I'll say, you know, insight, you know, you feel like um, we've not, um, our, you know, performances, you know, dived, you know, we didn't, uh, we started, you know, drawing games, you know, um, you know, we, you know, close to the, um, Close to the pitch side, as you know, you know, photojournalists, we almost have you know art attacks, you know, against um, Central Africa Republic, against Cape Verde. The last game against Cape Verde, we used to qualify for this particular, you know, um, Afcon um, for Cameroon. It was we are on the edge uh, for the playoff for the World Cup, and we feel like okay, fine, we need new hands. I think the only reason why I feel like um, it was a wrong decision was you are not you you know they didn't replace Genetro with the big with a big name or a, a competent manager. I think, you know, it was a mistake from my own perspective. And of course, colleagues have spoken with that, um, you know, Eguava was not the right person, you know, to actually lead us. So if you look at, you know, the accident and how we performed at AFCON and even with the World Cup qualifier, I think um, it could have been better to leave a very rigid manager. Would you be, if it, it would be difficult to break, but we'll still qualify for the major tournament. Now we play good football. <laughs> and we are nowhere to be found. I mean, you just took me to the next question I wanted to ask you, which was about um, Austin Higuavon. Um You thought he was the wrong decision um, to lead us to the Nations Cup, like you, you rightfully said. Um, but but you watched the players in the training field uh, or the training ground before. Mm. D- did you see in the players that they had confidence in their manager, who was Austin Higuavon? Uh did, did you think that they were playing for him? Did he inspire that confidence from the players? Um, to put out their best or they just looked at him like another manager that was passing by because, I mean, the appointment clearly stated that he was mm. going to be there for an interim. 
uh, time. Did, did, did he inspire confidence from the players? Well, I think to be fair on you know Austin Aguavon, I think um, we had a very um, interesting training session. You know, when you follow the um, get on trough for like four or five years, you've seen this the same routine, the same training pattern. So in, in Cameroon, you know, we were in Abuja, we were in Abuja for you know for one week before we, we went to Cameroon. We saw a new you know feeling, a new um, training regime pattern. Of course, you know we had um, you know the Polar Eagle going to have to come in as well. So we saw a new um, energy, a new tenacity in the team. But I think they lacked that um, that competence. They lacked that um, game management. They were good, you know. The training sessions were good, you know. Even from you know other journalists, they were in Abuja. Even went to Cameroon. It was another, you know, fresh year. You know, the players loved it because you know when you are tired with doing the same thing every time for like five years, six years plus with Kenetro and a new manager, you feel like okay, fine, this guy can give us. And you saw that what happened against against Egypt. Yeah. But I feel like you know they are not competent enough to actually read games, and you know, give the players on field, you know, decisions or maybe philosophy or something to actually win games where do we get this because oftentimes um you know sports journalists like you always talk about the fact that african managers um in fact particularly nigerian managers who predominantly have been ex-players usually lack that technical edge the no. same criticisms were were made about um, um Olisian and you know before him why is it so difficult for our managers to find that technical edge um because I would assume that they train in the same institutions that other coaches from Europe train. Yeah. So where do they miss that technical edge from? Is it is it an African problem? Or where does it come from? Well, I I, I won't say you know it's an African problem because um, if you look at you know the the best practices, you know um, coaches always move with their team. You know, if you look at Ateta, you know, he even signed his new contract with his assistant manager beside him. If you look at, you know, club, club, I've worked with, you know, a particular assistant for close to six, seven, eight years. Even, you know, um, Murillo cannot move to another club and, you know, and all go with his backroom staff, you know, yeah. the nutritionist. And I think the only problem about Africa is um, the, the, the main coach or the head coach, unfortunately, don't decide his backroom staff. Mm. You know, look at what is going on in Nigeria. Before the new manager, we are still waiting for the new manager. But the NFL and the Minister of Sport have given him assistant coaches down to, you know, down to um, the, 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 the game reader. Mm. And sometimes, you know, and you see what work works now. You see, you know, game reader with small monitor, even uh, even on the, uh, uh, on the on the bench. So, so I, I think, you know, all managers are not you are not well equipped. You know when Pep Guardiola was at, uh, at Man City, he relied so much on you know Mikel Arteta because you know you can't see everything, and I think that's where it comes from. You have to consolidate yourself with other big. But unfortunately for you know for Africa, you know look at what happened in Cameroon. They played so well, you know. Uh, I mean, in 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 at Afcon, a lot of a sudden they had to just you know bring in a record, uh, a record song to just be the coach. And just brought in in another, you know, assistant manager. Look at what happened in Ghana. So, but managers, big managers, know their deficiency, and they move with, you know, their backroom staff. You see, in a new signing of a new coach, you know, look at um, Tenag. Presently now, Master are talking to his assistant at Ajax. He has told them, I can't move without this guy. So, and that is why, you know, it's difficult in Africa to actually decide or, you know, make a decision from the FA because at the end of the day, you feel like if I make decision, these people, no fee, they don't go pay me. Mm. So you just play to their game. And unfortunately, yeah. it costs you in games. Talk to me about what it was like um, when we lost that game against Tunisia. Mm. Um, um, what, what, was the, what was the dressing room like? What was the mood from the players? And particularly, 
it was the move towards um, Iwobi was the one who picked up uh, yeah, the red okay. card. Um, What's the mood of the players towards Iwobi and, and how did they take it um, in the dressing room? Was it that of disappointment and, and heartbreak that they thought they could have done more or what was it like? Hmm. Well, um, you know, let me just start with, you know, I sat on the pitch for um, <laughs> for like 10 minutes because, you know, oh, what did you love me? <laughs> um, you know, it was it was heartbreak, you know, for every journalist because uh, we nobody, you know, we are not familiar with, you know, cashing out in the last 16 or even you know in the group stage so it yeah. was we've already booked for the semi-final or even the last day of the of the competition and then yeah. um, within the players um i think um you know there was no mixed zone <laughs> you know normally if you win games they all mixed zones you know journal, um, players walk through mixed zone you know talk to journalists so there was no mixed zone mm. the players didn't even want to come out mm. and um, it was the disappointment because prior to that game we were the kings of you know they gave us award Ikeva was the coach of the of the group stage, best team in the group stage because we, we were unbeaten. And um, when we got to the camp, you know, after the game, no player, you know, I'm, I'm telling you this um, authority, no player was seen at the reception. No player, they didn't even come, you know, you know, even the ones that we share relationship with, you know, didn't want to come out because they feel like they're disappointed, even their, their parties, you know, their journalist friends. So nobody was, and for, for, for um for Iwobi, um it was not that you know there was you know all, they were all start towards them because I was opportune to fly back with the team to Abuja, you know um, from Cameroon, and the 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 um, you know because we didn't know we were going to lose out against Ghana. The feeling in in, in the in the in the plane was we are going to you know deal with Ghana. You know this is you have to you know compensate Nigeria, but they didn't compensate us. <laughs> and you just got it well taking you next, uh, which is the Ghanaian match that we played, uh, which cost us, of course, yeah. um, a spot in the World Cup. Um, how did you feel in that moment when when Ghana knocked us out, our, our longest rivals, our neighbors also? Um, what was your feeling like? And the players who wanted to prove a point uh, with Ghana, because over the two legs, the truth is our players did not turn up um, in both games, except um, for our striker in the second leg. It's a gentleman that plays for Napoli. Victor Sime. Victor Sime, who you know, put up a bit of a showing in the second leg, but we just didn't turn up. Um, first, let me ask you, why did you think we didn't turn up for that tournament? First question. Second, do you think we should have kept... Eguavon to manage those two games or we should have fired him right after right out of Tinusha. And for me, do you think that the decision to leave Eguavon to manage those two games also cost us um a spot at the World Cup? Well I, I think you know um the the NFL technical team you know did a good job on the team because you know in, in Cameroon, you know, it was we feel like um, there was there was deficiency because against Tunisia we didn't we didn't have you know plan B and they brought they brought you know many to actually come and assist which is fair because you know that means you saw that um, there was some deficiencies and you need to bring you know another technical guy to actually assist and we saw you know them in training you know talking together we saw Salisu as well in training so it's feel like you know we have three eggs already you know and you know for Cameroon and I must confess you know on this show that um, I think for the past 10 one decade or 10 years the, you know the, the Ghana team we played was the worst Ghana team mm. I was with I was I was in Garua when Comoros played them they were stunned to pieces mm. they no confidence at all and for 
and for us as well, we're, we're, we're lucky because you know, their captain, you know, who of course is like their, their lion as well as like Victor Simeon, you know, Andre Ayu was missing as well, was, you know, for the bottle leg because of the red card he got against Comoros. So we feel like this, we are taking them to the cleaners. And I think, um, they over, I think they, we, we under, underrated Ghana. And, you know, after the first leg we played, you know, in New York, I feel like, you know, we are home and dry. And, um, Unfortunately, like you said, the technical team didn't read the game well. We didn't, we didn't do anything different from playing from the first minute to the 90 minutes. And then, um, you know, our sorted was wrong. We didn't, and all in all, I just feel like, at, but of course, for now that we, have, we lost out, I feel like they, they should have sacked, you know, Genetro, um, um, uh, Guavo. Maybe even bring, you know, because at the end of the day, we have two captains. You know, Guavo can make decision on his own. Amunike can make decision on his own, and I feel like they didn't consolidate very well. So I think sacking one and replacing with other could have been, or even leaving Osinegwava and give us that, maybe that performance against Egypt could have qualified for the World Cup. Interesting. Um, after the after we lost out, you know, a spot at the World Cup, um, Amaji Pinik gave out a very uh, uh, an outburst in an interview that he had. Obviously, he was deeply disappointed. Uh, with Nigeria not making it to the World Cup. Um, but it seems to me like, of course, we've talked about the players who didn't, didn't show up in, in both legs. We've talked about the deficiency in our, in our technical crew. Um, but, but does the blame also go upstairs? And I'm talking about NFF now, the Ministry of Sports. Do they take any blame um, in any of this that Nigeria has failed to qualify for yet another World Cup? Of course, you know, um, you know the, the box up on their table, though, because... Um, the 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 you know we 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 failed to prepare well for you know for for the World Cup qualifiers you know we we appointed um, Austin Gravon two weeks to to Afcon and we've sacked Genetros since December so it took them over one and a half months <clears throat> to actually get a replacement for Genetros so why sack a manager when you do have a replacement why sack a manager where you know sometimes even the players they could be uncertainty. A new manager is coming. Is he going to call me? What philosophy is he going to use? And I saw that in Kame, uh, in in Abuja because they were they were training twice, and on on a, and you know under Genetro it was just once. It was just in the evening. So they they, they were training at around ten a.m. and six p.m. every day before they left in Nigeria for Cameroon. So it's 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 a, the uncertainty from the players. Even at, as at that time, you know they didn't even know Victor Mos- Victor Simeon will not be going to 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 Afcon. So I think you know on and off from the from what happened at Afcon down to the World Cup, even down to the World Cup where we lost out, uh, where we you know crashed out at the World Cup, uh, the Nations Cup, the conversation was not even strong. Who is going to come in? Is it going to be a, a government? So a government was left floating for like one week after, you know. Of course, you know um, Afcon was still going on. It was left afloat for like one week. And all of a sudden, we, we saw news that um, they will bring another ex-international to support him. I feel like, okay, ooh. I was like, okay, I'm Monique. Okay, fine. You know, he has not been doing well. You know, he failed, you know, on the 17. You know, he didn't do well on the 20. Okay. But of course, they know he has done well. He has, you know, went out of Africa, you know, coached Tanzania. This is a new head. So, I think what they could have done is making that decision as soon as possible. Look at what is going on as well now. We don't have an head coach. And we're going to two legged, you know, uh, um, you know, Afcon qualifier against Sierra Leone. And it's just less than one month to that in Abuja. And now we're going for an international friendly where the new manager, in quotes, should be taking these boys to. 
and now the first assistant manager which is of course salisu is the one that released the list and it's the one that's taking these guys to us so why are we you know waiting you know wasting time because the uncertainty around these guys okay the new manager okay salisu called everybody he didn't call the kilechi nature he didn't call victor sime and these are the integral part of the team so if the new manager comes or even you know maybe go to the stand you know in the u.s to see them you know you will not be seeing our best two players and at the end of the day after that we are going we are coming straight to abuja to play straight on and we don't have a night coach so if salisu takes takes over those two games those two qualifiers who's going to take over the next four so at the end of the day the, the decision making from the top has actually affected us and it's currently affecting us because we don't have a manager a month to 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 a major you know um, qualifier yeah 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 so let's talk a bit about there's always been this debate you know about um local and um international players being called up to tournaments um what, what part of the argument do you align with um do you think that we should have more local players from our local leagues um to feature in these tournaments whether it's nations cup or the world cup um, or do you think that um, our coaches have no option than to rely with these players who come from overseas, who uh, may be technically better or exposed to better leagues outside the country? Where, what, what part of the debate do you fall? Well, um, it's very simple for me. I fall on talent. If you are talented, if you are playing in Ajegule and you are talented and you are good enough to play for Super Eagles, you can play for the Super Eagles. If you are in Nigerian descent and you are in Cyprus, or you are in you know North Macedonia and you are good enough, you can play for Nigeria. Anybody, as far as you are talented, can play for the Super Eagles. I'm not, I don't care about because if you because we, we've we've seen look at Keshi. We won the World Cup with we won the Nations Cup in South Africa with Sunday Mba. That's talent. Once you have the talent, you can play once you, you can do anything. So my own is if you if everybody, maybe the foreign guys. Are the only one that are talented. Fine. We have been looking for, you know, a goalkeeper. Now we have new set of goalkeeper in the Super Eagles. We have, you know, the Alon Lake, you know, Lake Alon Lake from um, from from Aqua United. You have to perform. We had we had Nobu. So if these guys are not talented enough, we can't use sentiment to pick, you know, just anyhow to play for the Super Eagles. If you so know for a fully fact, I think that we're not doing enough to look for talent locally. We see, unfortunately, you know. Talent-wise, I don't think we are up there, mm. unfortunately, mm. because we've we've done, we've called, you know, we have Daniel Akpeyi, we had um, Nobu, we have Onoroneke, we have Ezenwa. If they are good enough, you know, because if you are good enough, you'll be moving away from your comfort zone. But these guys believe, okay, fine, because we play in the local league, we have a chance. No, you don't have a chance. You have a chance if you are talented, and it's simple. That's why you know you 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 want to criticize you know um, you know what's it called um, get a troll. Don't criticize Kref. If you are good enough, you'll be called to the team. So I think you know the, we should just leave the sentiment of abroad or not abroad. I know for a fact that the people abroad have you know maybe a huge a, maybe a bit of hedge over the local guys. But at the end of the day, are the foreign guys not talented enough? Yes, they are talented. They are playing in top leagues. We saw Dennis. We saw Lukman. They're playing in top leagues as well. So playing in top leagues in a way, feel like they've seen that you are, you are good enough to, to, to come to their team, to be, you know, to be bought by this team. So at the end of the day, whether local 
whether foreign, once you are talented, from my own point of view, you can play for the Super Eagles. Because at the end of the day, Super Eagles is the biggest mm. national team in, you know, in Nigeria. We should quickly talk about the quality of our local leagues and, you know, um, you just said many of our players locally are not good enough, just like many of the managers are not, um, you know, good enough. Uh, what do we need to be doing to improve the quality of our league? Um, you being a sports journalist who's traveled and seen, um, you know, other leagues evolve. What are we doing wrong and how, how do we fix that problem where, you know, you and I can, can go on a Saturday afternoon and watch a local team and have some fun in the stadium and chat, yeah. uh, you know, a team like it used to happen, you know, in, in the 80s and early 90s. So yeah. what went wrong and how do we go back um, to building, you know, a strong league? I think the number one fact, you know, is to have our league, you know, have our games on TV. Mm. I think that can fuel the passion, you know, that can whet the appetite of people and say, okay, fine, let me go and see these games. But if nobody wants to watch it, why would we spend more money to put it on TV? It's like a chicken and egg situation. If if the league is not good enough and it costs a lot of money to put on TV and you and I are not going to watch it, so what are they doing on TV? You know, unfortunately, you know, um, people don't know that um, people consume the local league. Okay. And um, I think... Um, you know, even when you know um, the the cable you know station you know stopped, they were actually on the table to actually you know continue their you know partnership, but because of the dollar rate or whatever, it it broke down. During when the MPFA was on on MPFT was on hub, people that watched it across you know the globe you know got over 180 countries, and they had lots of you know tractions, and I think the 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 first thing you have to you have to you know. Um, igniting people and local people is to actually let them see the games on TV. Now we have someone, you know, Victor Mboma for Eimba. 12 goals without a penalty. And we've not seen any of his game. I've not seen any of his goals in a way, except highlights. We know there's, you know, someone, you know, Finiti George X, you know, um, international, the coach of Eimba. I've not seen him. His ways, like maybe he's a Jose Mourinho way, you know, on the touchline. And I think that can fuel and uh, ignite passion. But once you are shut out, you don't even know what is going on. The only thing you see maybe from prominent media, medium is maybe the violence that is happening across, mm-hmm. the, across the centers. And that will actually push anybody away. Let me just mention this girl. Look at what, you know, Kodo City and Sporting Lagos are doing in the NNL. They are fueling their own, you know, their own fans. They are trying to, like we always say, we have to build new fans. They are trying to build new fans that can pay to watch. Look at what's going on in Remo Stars. I was at Remo Stars, Donnie. Remo Stars versus Wiki Tourists. It's not even a top game. And they had over 4,000 people locally that watched that game. But if you have those games on TV, do you know like, like half of it can actually sit down and watch? And that is where how you build you know, your, your, your audience, you build the new fans and take away the violent you know, fans from the real fans. And that's why we are praying for you to like, come to the studio with your family and friend or even your kids and have a good time. No violence, you know, no whatsoever, no illegalism. So at the end of the day, I think if your games are not on TV, look at what is going on at Arfield. If I watch Arfield, I want to be at Arfield. Because I've seen it, I've seen the passion, I've seen the fans, and I want to feel that the energy as well. I'll travel down. So we, we've seen Nigerians travel down to watch, you know, uh, EPA games. Why? Because they've seen what they can, they've seen the good things. 
and you want to go and experience it. It's just like you know the tourist centers. If you don't see tourist centers, you won't go. Yeah. If you see blue water, say, ah, me, I won't go see blue water too. You travel. It's because of what we what 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 we what we saw. So at the end of the day, the the, the games have to be on TV to ignite passion and to fear you know to fear our viewership. I like that you touched a bit about the role of the media um, in promoting our sports, and I just want to talk to you about that before um, you know we wrap it up. Um, what's the future of sports journalism in Nigeria? Because because it looks like when you speak to an average sports journalist, um, they complain about you know non-payment of salaries. They're struggling to make ends meet. Um, First, let me ask, why is the, the industry so difficult um, for mm. sports journalists to have a breakthrough? Uh, is it that people no longer consume um, sports content or mm. um, people are not reading enough? Or is it an economic problem or we're not telling the right kinds of stories or we're not covering the events that people want to read about? What, what really is the problem with, with sports journalism in Nigeria? Well, I think um, in two ways, you know. Um, Economy-wise, I think we are struggling as a nation, and of course, you can't, you can't, you know, extract, you know, sport out of the economy. And secondly, the sport ecosystem. Even with a struggling economy, we saw what is going on in the Nollywood. We saw what is going on in the entertainment industry. They are moving, despite they are in the same economy. And I think our own ecosystem is not working because everybody wants to be on radio, everybody want to be on TV. Maybe those are the two that actually pays well. But if our ecosystem is working well, we have a full-fledged, let's say, a full-fledged Arsenal team. You can be a PR person. You can be a graphic act, uh, artist. You can be a blogger for them. You know, we've seen so many people that will say, write for so-so-so-so, correspondent for only Arsenal. Yeah. yeah. Correspondent for only Manchester United. Yeah. Yeah. And because their ecosystem is actually very robust. So not... Some people just want to write, and you make your money. So if I write now, who are for the, the the mediums are actually very few, and it's already choked. So at the end of the day, if our ecosystem is not, you know, if you have just ten clubs, look at Remosters. Remosters has taken like, maybe including me that I work, you know, some consulting work with them. I've taken me maybe off the streets. Now imagine they've taken ten. That's just Remosters. Now imagine the other nineteen. Um, in quotes, um, uh, clubs in the MPFL takes another 10. That means you are taking 190 from the industry, yeah. working, earning well. Yeah. Now go to the NNL. Okay, the NNL are not richer like, you know, the MPFL. We take maybe 10. They take 10 journalists and NNL is, I think they are close to 30. So that means 300 journalists will be taken off the streets or off, you know, their comfort zone and be working at earning well. So that I means if the if the system is working well, you you even see me calling myself a journalist. I will be working in the in in the club as maybe the the head of marketing comes. I saw what is happening in Kaiser Chiefs. They have sporting directors. Do you have sporting directors in Nigeria? No. Do you have head of scouts in Nigeria? No. Those clubs are not even functioning. We only have media officer, the head coach, and chairman, and that's all. And what do they do? They just raise money and pay salaries. There's the, the, the media the media media department in a club have over ten to fifteen people across the world. Now imagine if a club just media media department, not even PR section, not even marketing comes, not even sponsorship. 
so our ecosystem in a way because i've worked you know i, I do influencing job for others and other you know entertainment industries and i see how it works how you know you i would just see some senior whatsoever specialist talking to me and referring me to the marketing comes <laughs> so that's their industry is actually very robust. At the end of the day, they won't be the one to pay me. They will say, I should talk to the accountant. There's somebody there too who is actually, you know, working as well. So in a way, just on one job, I've worked with over five people. So, but our industry is not even, if you want to talk to, if you want to talk to, you know, maybe you have a sponsorship deal with a, a, a sport uh, club, you only talk to the chairman. <laughs> and once you talk to the chairman, the chairman will take it to the commissioner. Mm. And the PS, you have to be there as well. And then you end up with the governor. So there's no, there's no, there's no, there's no, there's no work schedule. There's no media department. There's nothing that's working. So if you are, if you are complaining about the economy, which of course is fear, but we've seen other industries who are very robust, the, the entertainment industry, and of course the, the non-Hollywood. And look at what non-Hollywood is doing now. And at the end of the day, what, who do we blame? Uh, before I let you go, I can't let you go without talking about um, the Minister of Sports. Um, many journalists have recently been critiquing or criticizing, yeah. um, you know, his time uh, because there was a lot of excitement when he was appointed Minister of Sports. People thought it was going to move the ministry forward and all of that. Um, do you think he's done a good job? And and if you, if, whichever way your answer goes, why do you think he's done a good job? Or why do you think? Um, he's done poorly um, during his time as Minister of Sports. Um, I think, you know, like you said, we were exacted because, you know, he was, um, he works in the marketing comms, you know, he has done journalism for, in, in a bit, and he feel like, okay, fine, for the first time, someone that is actually doing sports has been appointed as, because you know Dalong, Dalong was not, the yeah. former was not yeah. even close to um, being into sports. So you've seen someone who is a journalist who has been into sports, into communication, and can actually drive sports um, forward. And I think I would rate him like maybe six over ten. Yeah. On infrastructure, he has done well. You know, for you to bring back MK Abira Stadium in Abuja, yeah. for you to attract, you know, um, investors, you know, um, big men in the industry to actually, you know, put their money and start um, renovating you know, centers. The National Stadium in, in, in Surulere is almost done. That Nigeria, the spy can hold the spy goose. And if, you, if a center can hold the spy goose, it can hold virtually anything in the world. Yeah. So he has done, in terms of infrastructure, he has done well. And in terms of, you know, um, you know empowerment as well, you know, remember the, um, the, the sponsor and athletes, you know, we've seen lots of, you know, businessmen, you know, adopting an athlete. And I think in that perspective as well is, is, is very good. But at the end of the day, I think is, um, human relation has actually, you know, done, you know, so, so many undoing because recently, you know, he's on longer heads with the NFF. He wants, you know, the, the 1994 set. He wants, um, a local coach. He wants uh, the NFS to be fair. So the interference in the NFF is actually stalling. And he told us, you know, to, you know, we didn't do well in Afcon. We didn't do well. And of course, you know, the Nigerians don't even know other national teams. They don't even know that maybe under 20s in Nigeria probably bring the Waffle B Cup. Yeah. They don't even know that the under 17 are in camp. They only focus on the Super Eagles. And when the Super Eagles fails, it's like all the, you know, everything yeah. has failed. Yeah. And if you rate that based on what, when it, when it came on, We've struggled. We struggled that um, we struggled in 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 in, in Bini from four new to four four, and unfortunately for him, he was trading with the boys, 
prior to that day. So, so on the basis of the performance with the Super League, which of course is the only great when it comes to you know even even the NFL, if you want to rate them, you rate them with the biggest yeah. uh, um, you know, national team. He has not done well. On under under him, we have we failed to go for, go to for the World Cup. Under him, we this is the first time in over twenty decades and in, in over two decades that we failed to go past round of sixteen. Interesting. So at the end of the day, I think if on on infrastructure, on you know on sponsorship, he has done well, but on human relation, I think I still work more on that. Okay, so uh, final question: What's the future of uh, what's what's the next big thing for you, Poja? You've um, knocked out photography, you've knocked out um, radio, um, even into consulting now at the, at the club level. Yeah. Um, what's the future? What does the future hold for you? Um, I think two things. Um, <clears throat> I think um, you know um, I've not been to the World Cup yeah, because I didn't go um, in it's Russia, Russia. Yeah. so I'm actually planning to go to Qatar. That's one, and um, I want to move into management. You know, I want to do not really management. I want to do more football. You know, agents. You know, I want to do more courses because I think um, that's the only. Because I've done, you know, I've sold pictures of the biggest platforms. You know, to get images to Margot Jamlin, and I think you know, um, I will still continue to do all those, but I need to move forward because at the end of the day, you know. The more you read, the more you earn, you know, qualification, the more you, you, you move forward. So I think, um, two things I have to be in Qatar, you know, I've already saved, you know, I think I saved like 5k today. <laughs> I've started saving, you know, I've started saving, uh, unfortunately, Spike is going to be there. And I think I'm going to do more, you know, management courses and going to football agents. Fascinating way to end this conversation. Thank you so much, Koja, for, for this very wonderful conversation. And, yeah. um, I wish you all the best in your your future and and, and Davis. Thank mm. you for stopping by. Thank you for having me. Cheers.